Good morning. Before we dismiss our children to, to Children's Church, I want to say a prayer over the families of all who are in attendance and the children who are with them and accompanying them. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, we come to you just now just to give you thanks. Thanks for these men and these women who have been called into to your kingdom as parents. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus, for while we were yet sinners, the Bible tells us that Christ died for us. And we thank you for, through your son's blood, your grace and your mercy that have adopted us as children in your kingdom. Father, I pray over these children and I pray over the parents that the children are in charge of. I pray over their households. I pray over their, their friends' households and their friends of friends' households. Father, I only do this because I do this every night with my children, and I want to share this this day with, with these families who are in attendance. And Father, I thank you for this message. I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for my family. I thank you for my wife and my, two my three children. And Father, as we close, come to the close of this prayer, speak for me, Lord. Use me as your chosen vessel that you have raised up for this appointed time that those who are in attendance will not see me but will see you in me coming out to teach them your word it's in jesus name we pray amen all right it's time for children to head on to children's church now As Pastor Adam said, this is the, the varsity team. I, it's only because I recently became a, a graduate of Masters International School of Divinity in my, for my bachelor's degree in pastoral ministry, and I'm currently working on my master's degree now. So I, I just made it. I just made it. So I'm very grateful for that. So thank you. Thank you. You know, when, when Pastor Adam called me and emailed me, I thought to myself, oh, all right, another opportunity. And I remember my dad telling me when I was growing up that the things that I do, the more I do them, the more I know how to do them. And so as I, when I first got into ministry, I tell my wife, all I want is an opportunity. All I want is an opportunity. But I didn't know why I wanted that opportunity. I just wanted an opportunity to preach. I just wanted an opportunity to get up on stage and be, be seen and be heard and, you know, looked upon with, 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 you know, reverence and, you know, like, yeah, okay, he's doing it. Yeah, that's what he's doing. That's what he's called to do. But there was something that was missing. I was only wanting an opportunity. I was only playing around with God. I didn't want to do this. I wanted to be a fireman. I wanted to be somebody else. But what God did, he put the fire inside of me. And every now and again, he would turn it up. He would turn it down. He would turn it back up and turn it back down. Not like when we're cooking, sometimes the food is cooking too fast because you turn the fire down so it won't cook too fast. Well, that's what was going on inside of me. But as he was turning it up and turning it down, he was leading me on. And he led me on through my wife who kept pushing me. Babe, you're going to get your education. Babe, you got to get your education. Babe, you're going to get your education. And she would always say greater things happen when you have your education because she's educated. And, and when we first met, she saw the potential that was inside of me. But that's because God showed her what was inside of me. He showed her that simmering. 
He didn't show her the full flame. He showed her the simmering. She would always push me, always push me, always push me. And I'd say, I just want an opportunity, babe. That's all I want. I just want to get my foot in the door. I want an opportunity. Well, I didn't know what I was saying, but she knew what I was saying. Because having her education, she knew what it was like to get, just get your foot in the door. And so I said, okay, I just, you know, so I got that opportunity and it failed. I remember Billy Graham saying when he first, when he first spoke, he wrote a 45-minute sermon that he preached in seven minutes. I'm like, man, amazing. Well, I beat his record by three minutes and, and some change because my first message was just tears and, and runny noses, you know. So, so, but that was the opportunity I was looking for. And nothing happened because I was putting nothing into it. And as I went along in school, my pastor, Randy Cordell at Lakeshore Christian Church, he told me, he said, he said, okay, Vernon, you have your associate's degree. I'm speaking too fast, y'all. You have your associate's degree. Now what I need for you to do is go back to school. Get your bachelor's degree because he said, when I'm ready to use you, to send you out to other churches, they're going to want to see that you have your bachelor's degree. That's what a lot of churches require these days. And again, I didn't understand what he was saying. But he was saying that for, for my need. And so I go back to school and I'm like, okay, I'm going back to school. I'm doing this and I'm doing what God wants me to do. And then all of a sudden it clicked. The education door slammed right on my foot. And I said, I got it. I'm not doing this for an opportunity. I'm doing this for an opportunity to change lives. And then God came in and he turned that fire up to a full flame. And I said, oh Lord, there it is. There's that full flame Jeremiah was talking about because all the years I didn't want to do this was all the years he was preparing me to do this. And now that flame just won't go out. And my wife sometimes says, babe, why were you up at 2.30 this morning? Because that flame woke me up. That flame of opportunity to change lives got me out of bed. It purposed me to be the best dad that I can be. It purposed me to try to be the best husband I can be. And now it has purposed me at Aspen Grove Christian Church to be the best speaker that I can be. Because as, as a teacher in Christ, it is our mission as he gave his tw as 11 disciples the commission to go into all the world and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But he also told them in so many words that may not have been written, change lives because that will happen in my name. In my name, I will make the change. But here I was trying to make the change for myself, and I kept running into that three-and-a-half-minute message. I kept speaking and blooding out that 15-second message that left the preacher like, okay, what do I do with the next 45 minutes? Because I was done. There was nothing in me to give anyone because there was nothing there that I could use. I was just wanting an opportunity, an opportunity to do this, an opportunity to do that. And I saw other people getting these opportunities but weren't saying anything, and I was being critical, but yet I was that person. And a lot of times we do that as dads. We see other dads do things in success that we want to do for, for our own children. And so what I've done in my household, I noticed every generational dysfunction. My wife says, she says, you say curse a lot. And I said, yeah, it's a generational curse. It really is. It's a curse of Adam and Eve, of course, you know. But I realized that when I was growing up, I had a mom and a dad, but not everybody has that. 
but there were some things within the household of having a mom and dad that went on that I don't do with my children. Instead of the dads of yesteryear saying, because I said so. We can't do that to these children in this age. These children are educated just like we are. We have to tell them why we say so. It's not just because I said so and that's it. Dads, we have to tell our children why we say so. Because they want to know why. Just like we wanted to know why at one point. Because I said so. And we go, okay, you said so, okay. But now they come at us with why. Why you say so? Tell me why. My son, he often, he often I like to use uh, Jesus' analogies to make my points with my son. Because he's so inquisitive about everything. He wants to know everything. My little girl is the same way. So I try to not beat around the bush, but I try to lead them in another direction. See, sometimes that's what dads have to do in the household. They have to lead the family in the direction God is taking them. And sometimes the wife has to go along with it. Sometimes it's the mom who has to lead the family. Because Father's Day, it is a day specially designed for fathers, but moms also play a great role in that also. So it's a family day. It's still Father's Day, but moms play a great role into it also. Because that is how God designed the family. In Genesis, get into my first point. Let me turn, bring this up. I'm using my phone for once. All right, cool. First time I'm using that. Normally I just use the Bible which I brought with me and, and I have notes and I stumble over the notes, you know. But this is how parenting God's way is, is, is how God designed it to be that we're in a culture now that doesn't want to do it God's way. My first point in parenting God's way is parenting God's way is a partnership. There it is right there. Behind me. Okay. It's a partnership. Genesis 1, 27 and 28 says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and the animals that scurry along the ground. Right there is God's instruction on the family. Man and woman. But what type of 2015 culture do we live in today? We live in a culture that says you don't need a man or you don't need a woman. That two women in one household can raise children, that two men in one household can raise children. But that's not the way God is explaining it. Because God's way of parenting is God's way. The world's way of parenting is not God's way. Because the world says we want to do it this way. But God says, I designed it to be this way. Now, there are some who don't have dads not in the home, and not even active in their life. But they were still used in the way God designed. It's not the way God wanted it to be, but because of sin, because of the curse of sin, we have what we have now in 2015, another direction. So this morning, while, I'm, while I have this few moments here with you, Let's try to get out the message of doing, doing parenting God's way and that partnership God designed. 
let's go with our neighbors and, and our, our, our neighbors' neighbors and our friends and our friends of friends. And let's, 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 let's let them know that doing parenting God's way is the best way that it should be done. That if we want God to bless our household, if we want God to, to, to let our household be the examples to others, then we have to let God in our house. There are a lot of people who don't, don't want God in their house, and it's causing them a lot of problems. Sometimes with, with men, I, I think, I think uh, uh, different cultures get this mixed up because man is the head, man was created first, and you know, so man is to do all things. Well, it wasn't the way God designed it. He created them both. He created man first, he created woman from man, and they together, they were to reign. It clearly says that, that they were created. He created them both, male and female. So clearly he had a purpose for them both. But unfortunately, it's not that way in this day and time. Women are often told by their friends, you don't need him for anything, you can do it yourself. Guys are told by their friends, man, what you need her for? You can leave. But it was never intended to be that way. God created them both. And when he created them both, he gave them the instruction to be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. But he did this through marriage. He didn't give them to, to each other as, as single people. He gave them to each other as a married couple, which is another thing our culture wants to get away from. They don't want to stand before God and, and, and take that, that oath, that covenant of marriage with God. They just want to do what they want to do. And that oftentimes gets them in a lot of trouble. As I said with my children, my two that are here in attendance today, they were born under the covenant of marriage. But I have a third child who, when I was 18 years old, the pressures of my youth, the peer pressures of my youth, caused me to have a child out of wedlock. I'm not ashamed of that, and I'm not ashamed of her. But what has happened, it brought a lot of just brought a lot of confusion. Because without that covenant of marriage, two families were knocking heads with each other. Her mother hated me. My mother hated her mother because her mother hated me. Her sister wanted, her sister and brother-in-law wanted to abort the child. My mother hated them for wanting to abort the child. My dad, he stayed in the background. Brenda, don't, you know, Brenda, it's okay, it's okay. It's okay. But my mother, she was a raging fuel of fire. <laughs> and all that was, 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 was hurting was two people, two unwed people and one child without prenatal care. We kept her a secret for eight months. Didn't tell anybody. I was scared because I thought I was going to get a beating. I thought my mom was going to take the whip to me, boy, I mean, a belt or something. But in the eighth month, when she told her mom, and my mom had to force it out of me, and I said, well, I didn't want to tell anybody. Well, you, you know, it's a baby. Who are you not going to tell, boy? What's wrong with you? Her stomach just popped out, and <laughs> just, bling, here I am. You know, next thing you know, a baby girl is born. Who, by which, looks exactly like my younger daughter. Split an image. When you look at her, just imagine her at 25. 
and that's the, that's the oldest child. And it brought a lot of confusion and heartache and pain against two families. None of us liked each other. And then it brought the, the divide between me and her. Well, if your mom is arguing with my mom and my mom is mad at your sister and your brother-in-law, well, hey, I don't want nothing to do with you. Simply because we did not have the covenant of marriage to hold us together. And when that happens, the man can go. And the man will go. Because he has nothing to hold him together. Because I did not do it God's way. I did it my way. And my way got me in trouble. And so my grandmother, she said, well, you won't be the first and you won't be the last. I said, Grandma, believe me, I'm not having any more kids until I get married. I said, I'm giving 10 years to, to this child, and if there's nobody in 10 years, this is just going to be me and her. I'm going to buy a Ford Mustang GT, and this is going to be me and her. We're going to ride off into the sunset. <laughs> well, we know how that ended, because God has a sense of humor. In my daughter's 10th year, my wife walked into my life and changed the game. I'm like, well, I do want more children, but my daughter is older, and Oh, well, here's an opportunity to, you know, for somebody who wants children like I do. I said, okay, I want to do it right. I want to do it right. I want to marry this young lady. I want to make her a mom. I want to be a dad. I want to do it God's way. And I went out and I got an apartment. I said, all right, I'm doing it God's way. I'm doing it God's way. Well, while I had the apartment, she came and she said, well, I need a place to stay. See, originally being from Maryland, she came from Knoxville and she was working and she said, well, you know, my mom has a one-bedroom where she stays, and she's all right, but I have nowhere to go. And in my mind, I'm thinking, there it is. Okay, yeah. I'm all set now. So she takes her dogs and goes upstairs, and they're upstairs, and I'm sitting down on an air mattress like, okay, you, you, I'm down here. You know this, right? So for eight months, she does this. By which time I'm going back and forth to Knoxville and, you know, meeting her family and her grandmother. And, you know, and, and I, I meet her grandmother. First time I meet her grandmother, she says, she says uh, you're the one. You're the one. I, j I just know it. God, God has shown me that you're the one. And so we get back to, to Baltimore and, and her dad, he, he'd already told me I could marry her when, I, when it was time. He gave me his blessing. I, I asked him, I said, can I have your daughter's hand in marriage? And he said, son, I've known a lot of guys to love my daughter, but I've never known you to love her the way you do. He said, when you're ready to ask her for, for her hand in marriage, you have my permission. So we get back to Baltimore, and, you know, I'm like, do I want to do this? Do I want to do this? Yeah, I want to do this. And I asked her, and she said, yeah. So we went to the Annapolis Courthouse on June 4th, 2001, and we were married. Then we went back to Knoxville August 18th to do it that same year in front of the rest of the family. But I couldn't wait. I had to get married right then and there. I'm like, okay, we, you know, I got to get married. You're living upstairs and I'm down on an air mattress. We got to get married. I can't take this anymore. Eight months, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to do it my way. And God said, no, you're going to do it my way. And she held, she held up her end of the bargain to God. Because she told me this is how she wanted her life to be. She wanted that covenant with God because she knew that the blessing would come through that covenant. And I believed her for it. And though we've had trials and tribulations because the Bible said we would, we're still here 15 years later. Dated for one, married for the last 14. And I can honestly say, hey, 
I love the woman. I mean, what, what can I do, you know? So my son, when, when he was born, being from Baltimore, I looked in his eyes and I said, yeah, I'm not raising you in the situation I was raised in, boy. We got to go. So we ended up in Nashville. And I told my wife, she was working at Johns Hopkins at the time and started with University of Maryland. And I said, uh, God called me. We got to go. And she said, uh, for what? And I said, no, no, he called me to leave. We have this baby who I do not want to raise in Baltimore the way I was raised with the things that, that happened to me. I don't want that to happen to him. So she says, okay, well, what did God tell you? I say, we got to go. And she said, no, nah, God didn't tell you that. So I said, okay, Lord. She didn't tell me. You told me. And so the Lord went to her and said, yeah, I told him. You got to go. And so we hopped on the car and came to Knoxville, stayed for a little while, headed to Nashville. Here we've been ever since. And I told my wife, I said, the Lord's going to bless you for this. For just being obedient to him, he's going to bless you. How? I don't know. Well, we got a little baby boy. We're living in an apartment. The next thing you know, my wife says, babe, I don't feel good. Something's wrong. And I'm like, huh? She says, yeah, I don't, I got to come and get my blood drawn. So she went and got her blood drawn and I came home from work and right there on the table were the results. The pregnancy was, the standard was like zero to 5,000. Hers was like 27,000. So I was like, oh, you're good and pregnant. Wow. The blessing from God. Amazing. And then when I found out it was a little girl, Oh, man, you can imagine how I felt when I knew I was going to get a little girl. Here I get an opportunity to be a dad to a girl again. The first time I failed, I still have a relationship with her, but the first time I failed, I'm not there. I did not do it God's way, and I landed outside of her life. Of course, we've made up since then. I told her, you know, if you don't want me in your life, that's the regret I got to live with because I made a choice. I, mean, I did this. I did this my way, and it landed me outside of your life. So having that little girl, I said, if I have to break furniture, I'm going to be in this child's life. I'm going to raise her. I'm going to be there. And night after night, one of the sweetest things this little girl says to me before I turn her light out and walk away, she says, Dad, I say, yeah, can we pray? And I tell you, it just, oh, it just does something to me. Well, dads, if you do it God's way, it will do the same thing to you. Even though your children may be, may, may, may be having their own life. I mean, we're in a technology age. So sometimes our children are not there. They're on their phones. They're, they're on their Xboxes. But sometimes they want that prayer also. Even if you just go in and sit on the side of the bed with them and put your arm around them and say, Hey, son, hey, baby girl, what you doing? They, they want that also. And while you're there asking what they're doing, Lord, please bless my child. You know her future. I don't. You just gave me responsibility over her future. And get up and walk away. Because I realize, you know, children, all right, Dad, okay, that's enough. You know, I was one of them. I know what it's like. Yeah, I don't, okay, Dad, you know, all right, all right, it's, it's good. But when she says, can we pray, that what she, that's what she really means. Then when I come out of my daughter's room, getting ready to walk, walk away, my son says, Dad, can you pray for me too? And instead of going this way to the hallway to get the remote so I can finish watching Sports Center, or 
I got to make a, a double back and go in his room and I got to pray for him. And so what I do because of God's partnership with my wife is I pray for his friends, for his friends, friends, for his friends, friends, friends. I pray that all he comes in, com- in, 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 a, in a, a company too, that they will see the God in him, that they will see the God in my little girl. Because doing it God's way, it will, it, will, it will reflect on them. And that's what we want. We want to do it God's way. We don't want to do it the world's way. Because the world is recognized by the world. But as a Christian, we are recognized by other Christians. And it shows. Trust me, it does. I'm in a house, I'm in a house full of Christians. And my heart is magnetic to each and every one of you. Believer or non-believer. It's just magnetic that way. And so when they go out by doing it God's way, it's easy for them to, to, to get into other groups. Sometimes other groups don't want them involved, but that's okay because their heart is not damaged because their dad, their dad has prayed over them. Their dad has prayed over the household. Partnership, doing it God's way, is the best way we can do it. My second point in doing it God's way is being a parent God's way is mandatory. It is mandatory. God demands this of us. God expects this from us. If he gave us the responsibility to to create children, he also gave us the responsibility of a mandatory, I won't say sentence. I could say sentence. I mean, we're not not on prison or anything, but, but the sentence of our lives. While we're here, God has gave us the responsibility as parents, and he expects us. He even, so he even used Paul. Now, I know this scripture, or part of this scripture, I'm going to use to make this point with. But Paul was talking about something else, because where he was in Corinth, he wasn't in Corinth, he was coming to Corinth. But he was talking to them as children. So much so as, as I read this scripture, this is, this, is, this is what he means. And I'm not going to start at the beginning of 14. It's right in the middle of 14. It says, after all, children, don't provide for their, after all, children don't provide for their parents. Rather, parents provide for their children. So Paul is just sending out a reminder to the church in Corinth, as this is a reminder today. They're uh, doing it God's way. Parents set aside a little for their children. Their college funds, you know, uh, uh, savings funds, savings bonds. My dad had savings bonds when I grew up, but you know, he used them all. So, but <laughs> not on me, of course, but, but I, I still love him anyway. You know, and, but, 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 but parents have to provide for their children. It's my son and my daughter expect to eat every night. And so much so they're beginning to eat into my food title because my portions are diminishing and theirs getting bigger. So, so I expect to eat too, you know. So I'm hungry also. But they expect to eat also. They do. And by doing it God's way, I look to my Heavenly Father and I say, Lord, sometimes I don't have it. But I know you do. You have this entire earth. You remind me every day that through my son and daughter, you exist. Because how can I love someone so much more than myself and would gladly give my life for them as you did your son with you? 
And so I accepted his mandatory statement given to by Paul to prepare the future for them because they are the future. Our children are our next generation, but it is how we raise them in this generation that will help them advance in the next generation. Well, we see what the generation is doing. We see how the culture is turning. We see that, 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 that the freedoms of the world are allowing people to be corrupted. They're allowing our children to be corrupted through iPhone, through FaceTime, through Facebook. They're being corrupted. Bullying is on a rise. When I was in kid, if you wanted to be bullied, you had to wait to three o'clock before you get out on the schoolyard, you know, find out who the bully was. And then you had to face that bully. Well, it's not that way anymore. Now you got bullies coming at you from all cyber networks and all places, pictures, and, you know, notes and, you know, things of that nature. Children are committing suicide because they're so afraid. When I was growing up, you, you, you didn't commit suicide. You got out there on that schoolyard at three o'clock and you fought it out. That's the way you got a bully off your back. But now it, 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 it's, so, it's so out there that, that, that children, they're, 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 they're not being prepared properly to handle cyberbullying. They're not being prepared to handle peer pressure. They're not being prepared to handle the next step in their life. Because the world doesn't do it God's way. But parenting God's way is not easy. But it is rewarding, which leads me into my third point. Parenting God's way is very rewarding. Do you know what it's like to hold that brand new baby in your, in your arms when the doctor hands it to you and they don't have their eyes just all focused yet because they haven't put the vitamin K in their eyes to help them get the focus, but they have the, 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 the uh, my wife knows she's a nurse, she'll, she'll tell me later, but they have all the crustacean in their face and you see them crying. Man, I'm telling you, that is such a rewarding part of the birth process. The other part is, you know, it is what it is. But when that doctor comes around that woman's head and has you that baby and you're looking at that baby like, hey, you don't want to cause all that problems in there, you know. Oh, buddy, hey, man, welcome to the world. All right. You know, that is rewarding. Oh, my goodness. I experienced that three times in my life. And I'm telling you, that is such a rewarding part of being a dad. God gave me the ability to do this. But parenting God's way, again, is not the world's way. Some dads are not even in the room when that miracle of birth happens. Some dads are nowhere to be found when that miracle happens, when that miracle takes place. I worked at Meharry Medical College, and I was doing research. And I was on this research study that needed a part of the placenta. They felt that using part of the placenta was would do something for the uh, Alzheimer's. That's what they felt. So we go over to the birthing, birthing room. We had to put our gear on and everything and our mask on and everything. And we go into the room because we have the, the formaldehyde to, to catch the placenta, piece of the placenta the doctor was going to cut off and put in the formaldehyde to take back to the, the room where the, um, where, where the lab people were going to dissect it and you know, culture it and put it on the slides and everything. 
and I'm standing there and I'm, I'm watching this woman give birth. And it doesn't hit me what Lisa has gone through two times. It doesn't hit me, but I'm standing there. And as the doctor moves to get something, a little hand is just hanging there. And man, I'm telling you, the emotion that came up inside of me, the tears that backed up into my head ready to fall, a little hand was reaching out into the world. And as I began to cry, I thought to myself, where's her daddy? Because she may not know what the world holds for her because she doesn't have the dad reaching back for her. But tell your friends, tell your family members, we're all in this together. Parenting God's way is mandatory. We need to be dads to our sons. We need to be dads to our daughters. We need to be men to our wives because the world doesn't want that to happen. I had to fight back those tears that day, but as soon as I got home, I had to grab my little girl. She didn't know why. She, just, you know, why are you hugging me? Dad? okay. I mean, what I do, you know, but I just had to hug her just to, just to say thank you because God has given me the opportunity to be here. My son, he ran out the door when I tried to grab him, you know, I just want to love on you, boy, come here, give me a hug. You know, he darted out the door, but he knew that every day around 5, 5.30, 6 o'clock, his dad be coming through the door. And that's every day. And I'm so grateful for that. Because I decided to do it God's way. Not every day is a great day. But more days are greater than there are that are not. The enemy has planned to break families apart. And is doing it in high succession. Not only is the church persecuted in, in, in other countries, it's persecuted here in America. Not just by shootings or beheadings or, 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 or splitting the church. No, by splitting marriages. Because men can't stand the pressure of standing up to be men in their homes. God has given us a mandatory responsibility to provide for our children, to stand up when no one else will, to have sons and daughters look up to you with love and admiration for their dad. That's what they're looking for. I've learned my last 12 years here in Tennessee, we're all, we're, we're, we're the same. We're the absolute same. Yeah, the news tries to divide us because that's what the world wants to do. The world wants to divide us. But the Bible is so clear in its description of a place called Babel, where people were one, one color, one nation under God, who took it upon themselves to build a tower in a city to God. We've, the news doesn't want to give that to us. The news doesn't want to tell us that. The news doesn't want to tell us that doing it, doing it God's way is mandatory for the household to be structured by the husband and the wife. Not the boyfriend and the girlfriend, not the girlfriend and girlfriend, not the boyfriend and boyfriend, but the husband and the wife. The news, the world, they don't want to tell us those things. The culture doesn't want to give us those things. But because we do it God's way, 
because we won't separate ourselves from one another, God says, I'm sorry, the enemy says, I'll go after the families. I will find a way to go after the families, and I'll go through the men. I'll go through the men because the men are easier. The men are softer. I know what the men want because I myself am am in the form and the presence of a man. When God created me, he created me in his own image also. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to go through the leader. I'm going to go through the structure, the the male structure. Because it was the male that was given the authority after creation, not the woman. God told the male to eat of every tree except for this tree, not the woman. He told his wife what God told him. But he destroyed man and woman in the garden by going through the man, by causing the man to fall. And that has been happening ever since time has existed. The man has always fallen. Well, as I come to a close, I want to say this. It's time for us men to stand for God so God will stand for us. Because our wives and our children, they need us. They need us to be that man. They need us to be that promised man of God. Because that woman, she prayed for you. Not only did she pray for you, you prayed for her. That's why you're married. That's why you're together. Because God put you together. The world didn't put you together. E-Harmony didn't put you together. 1-800-SINGLES didn't put you together. God put you together. That's mandatory. God looked down and he saw two people who could be unionized by coming together. Being fruitful and multiplying. But the enemy says, I'm going to do away with that by going through the man. So I thank you for this time. I hope Pastor Adam sees me still as a member of the varsity team after this message. (laughs) I am not calling Vernon again. (laughs) But Pastor Adam knows I'll jump on a plane if necessary. I will do what I need to do because no distance is great for God. No distance. And I say this because I recently unofficially have accepted an opportunity to change lives back in my home state of Baltimore, Maryland, as a member of the pastoral ministry team at, I want to say Mountain Christian Church. I believe that's, that's where it's going to take place. I do. I believe that's where it's going to take place. But I'm going to learn how to pastor because all I have is a bachelor's degree and an associate's degree. I have education. I don't have the pastoral fundamentals of reaching people, of really getting down into people's lives. But I have God, I have Christ, and I have the Holy Spirit. So I think that's enough. But there is still an element of the world that I have to learn on how to reach the world. And with this opportunity to do that, then I'm going to go and take it, and I'm going to see how God evolves me. And if God wants to bring me back, he will. But for the last 12 years of my life, this has been my home. This has been my son and my daughter's home. And we'll be going back up next week, but I'll be back and um, maybe I'll have a start date when I come back and, and, you know, we'll see what happens. But I really want to just thank you for this time, for this opportunity.
to come in and really change a life. Because it only takes one. It only takes one. And Pastor Adam coming between messages, he said, I just need you to come in and just help me with this next series of messages. So the series that we're coming out of, I don't have anything to give in between. So just come in and just try to, you know, get into relationship with this church family. He told me how, 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 to, how to be. He said, you're laid back and, you know, you won't throw things at me. So I'm pretty grateful for that. I didn't duck and dodge. And so I'm thankful for that. I appreciate that. And we're going to close with prayer and I'm going to have Pastor Adam come because this is the, the, the under shepherd's house that the Lord has placed in charge. And I feel it is disrespectful to close out a service that, that is not my responsibility to do. So let us pray and then Pastor Adam will come. Eternal God, our Father, thank you for this day. Father, we knew weeks ago that this day was coming. You prepared this message for me and, and you used me as your chosen vessel. So I thank you for that, Lord. And, and I appreciate everything that you've done in my life and in the lives of my wife and the lives of my children. And I thank you for that, Father. And, and Lord, I just pray for, for this Aspen Grove church family. I pray for the men at Aspen Grove, that they will continue to grow, that they will continue to lead their families, and that they will continue to to, to come into the organized union meeting each week under Pastor Adam. Father, I, I ask that you will continue to bless Pastor Adam and his household, bless his wife Amy, and continue to grow them in, in your word and in your ways. Father, I pray a special prayer over his family and, and over the family of, of these members here today. And I just thank you, Father, for, for your blessing and for your grace and for your mercy. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.